0: Notre Dame Football Saturday continues with WSBT Game Day. Here's your host, Evan Sharpley.
1: Welcome to the Game Day Show on your home for Fighting Irish Football, 96.1 FM, 960 AM WSBT. We're live from the WSBT studio in Mishawaka getting ready for Notre Dame versus Navy. The Fighting Irish are 7-0 and and coming off a bye while the midshipmen are struggling at 2-5. Kickoff is set for 8 p.m. out in sunny San Diego, California, and word has it, that Ron Burgundy is making the call instead of Ryan <laughs> Harris.
0: Anyways, like anyways,
1: I'm your host, Evan Sharpless, and I'm joined by my partner and producer, Tim Growl and Matt Embry on the board. So let's get this thing started. Tim, how are things going? You got another good show lined up for us? We got a great
2: show lined up. Just real quickly, last week, so you had an off night. I just asked you before we went on the air, what did you do <laughs> I, last night? You I didn't have to know. stay up till 1 o'clock in no the morning. You cannot remember what you I did. Must,
1: I, yeah, I must have blocked. I don't know. I really don't remember. I, I guess I could go back and look in my schedule and see. It was a bye week <laughs> for me, too. I don't think I did anything. It was probably nice. Yeah, relaxed. you're
2: recharging your batteries for
1: uh, another late night tonight. Well, of, of the five games remaining, four are in prime time. So Uh, this is going to be the this is going to be the norm. This is going to be our lives the next four out of five Saturdays. And can in your career
2: did you ever travel as much as this team is going to travel in the next uh, four out of five? I
1: don't. I don't think so. Um, And we talked about this actually on my show on Friday. Um, They're staying the night. After the game tonight, normally That's they'll get back on the norm, right. yeah, Normally they'll get back on the charter and get home. You know, th- maybe three three in the morning, three or four in the morning, and then have meetings. Maybe say at two in the afternoon on, on Sunday, they're actually gonna let the guys go back to the hotel, sleep, wake up, and get back at like a a normal time. Wow. So I th- I think that the the staff and the coaches realize and understand what they're about to partake sure. in here over the next five weeks. Just you know, going to San Diego back to Chicago, you're going to have a home game mixed in there. Mm-hmm. You're going to be in New York, then you're going to be back out to the West Coast. So, it's the no, new paradigm for football. I mean, it's it's Notre Dame football. You kind of know, you know, when you, <coughs> when you show up at Notre Dame, you know that you're going to be playing schedules like that. Um... And also, too, knowing that you're likely going to, especially if you're winning the way they have this year, that you're going to be playing some primetime games. Uh, and, I, and I believe the the one at Syracuse would be two, but it was in the contract with right. Yankee Stadium. It was going to be a two thirty game. So now on the media side, I would prefer every game kicks off at noon. 11 would be great. We could do 11. That'd be fine. Um, these night games. Why
2: don't you do uh, breakfast at Wimbledon, why not you? That's
1: what I'm talking about. The, the nighttime games, though, I loved as a player. Playing under the lights is a lot of fun. You know, a venue like this. Um, you playing against a um, Navy, you know, a rival who you're going to have a lot of great respect for. Um, but each game, you know, it gets bigger. It's survive in advance at this point. Um, Notre Dame controls their own destiny, sitting at number three uh in a week you're gonna have alabama and lsu playing too so it's you know it it's it's set up right now to be a very very interesting november i'll tell you that much
2: and our first game is having an interesting october and speaking of travel i think he is and this is his travel day and this is a former notre dame consistence all america and now a san francisco 49er mike mcglinchey mike how you doing out there
3: i'm doing great thanks how are you guys doing
1: mike thanks uh thanks for being on the show uh hopefully you have good travel mercies um are you going to be able to watch the game tonight by chance
3: i should be i think we land in arizona uh, right before kickoff so uh, luckily it's a nice start for me and i can uh i can get some eyes on a tv screen before we go into meetings
1: well mike i, I know you're going to be leaving here pretty soon so we'll get right down to business what, what have you liked from notre dame so far this year
3: well, I think they just play. They're playing like a complete football team this year. I, I, it's been so impressive to watch how the guys on defense have developed into one of the best in the country. Um, and you know, hats off to, to Coach Clark Lee and, and the job that he and his staff have done to transform the, that whole team. And um, obviously, offensively, you love what what you're seeing out being able to be balanced and throw the ball and 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 run the ball and and, and score a lot of points and. and um, but like I said, I think the completeness of this football team has been has been really really fun to watch and exciting exciting for Notre Dame fans across the country.
1: Mike uh, Harry Heistand left last year. Uh, you know they're kind of uh, filling the gap there. First off, if you could just speak to to Harry and and what he meant to you um, and to this program as far as development was concerned.
3: Yeah, I think uh, you know there. I could talked for days about Coach Eastman and, and what he did for me. I mean, outside of my parents, he's probably the most influential man in my mm-hmm. life. Um, he took me as a 16-year-old kid to give me a chance to play at my dream school and then coached me hard and developed me into the player and man that I am now. And and, and I owe everything I have to him and, and what he did for me and, and the passion and, and care that he took for me and the work that he put into me over five years there. And, and uh, you know, I wouldn't be here without him.
1: As as far as now how this program moves forward, you have to replace a guy like that. His stature and what he's done uh, from a development standpoint. Just just speak to to Coach Quinn and um, you know the job that he's done so far this year.
3: I think he's done a great job. He's playing with a lot of new pieces, and and some guys have gone down here and there. And and, um, and you know it's it's not it's not easy having your first season coaching O line, having to replace two starters and fill them with really young guys who have never seen action before, and then obviously Alex going down is is a tough deal as well and um but I think coach Quinn and the rest of the team have done a great job of 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 playing hard and and, you know getting better each game.
1: Mike you you went through a position switch um and and a couple of guys have gone through that so far this year um what's it you know what's it like when you're having to do that when you're moving maybe from one side of the offensive line to the other?
3: Uh, it's not easy it's it's definitely something that takes a lot of time to get used to and and it's something that'll sneak up on you if you can't get it done the correct way um but it's definitely uh it's definitely something that's easily manageable if you put the work in for it
1: when you play a team like navy and there's you know there's usually a lot made of the style of blocking um that they use and actually, and Brian Kelly brought this up in his weekly radio show. They're they're playing a little bit bigger right now on both sides of the ball. You know, getting closer to that 270 to 290 range on on both the offensive and defensive lines. But when when you play a team like Navy, you know um, at certain positions on both sides um, of the ball, especially in the trenches, that they're going to be a little bit undersized. Uh, you know, how how difficult is is that and especially preparing for that where it's it's maybe you know slight a, a slight change than you would expect from a weekly you know a weekly opponent?
3: Yeah, I mean it's never easy to play them. They, they do a really hard, good job of, of sticking to what they do and controlling the b- ball game through you know the time of possession and all that and, and having bigger boys up front definitely makes that even more challenging. but I, I think coming off the bye week um, especially that we've done well, you know, we have the right coaches in place to get discipline on what they do. And I think that uh, it's just going to be a normal game for them up front on offense. And uh, defensively, they're going to just have to stick to their responsibilities and trust their coaching.
1: We're talking to Mike McGlinchey right now, former Notre Dame All-American, first round draft pick. Uh, We talked a lot about Notre Dame so far this year, and we'll circle back and kind of get your final thoughts and prediction. But what's year one been like in the NFL?
3: Uh, it's been great. Obviously, I uh, would like to be winning a lot more games than we are right now, but um, it's been good. I feel like I've been playing pretty good and, and trying to get better each week. Um, but, you know, obviously wins and losses are the most important thing, so we got to put some more wins on the board here. But I love our team. I love our coaching staff, and um, I think the future is very bright where we're at. What's,
1: uh, what's maybe been the biggest adjustment moving from the college game and playing at this level?
3: Um, I think just everybody being – on their job is the hardest part i think um in college if you're a half a step behind you can always make up for it but if that's the case in the nfl um you're going to get beat so you need to be totally totally prepared and and totally ready for everything that they're going to throw at you um and and i think that ties into the speed of the game it's just the split decisions that you have to make just a little bit faster in the nfl
2: Tim Ground, Evan Sharpley on WSBT's uh, Game Day. Yeah, Mike, I'm looking at a thing through week five here. It says his pro football focus ranks Mike McGlinchey as the best run blocker through week five. You like those accolades coming in as a, uh, a freshman NFL player? It's, uh, you got any particular um, person you've already come up against on the other team that you're like, you want a second chance at them right away?
3: Well, we played the Rams and got spanked last week, so those guys are pretty loaded all across the board. So, definitely those guys we'd like to do a little bit better than we did last week, and uh, that's definitely the one we're looking to um, have a makeup game on uh, in a couple months.
2: I, I want to kind of go backwards a little bit, too. You talked about when Harry uh, re- recruiting you and stuff, and you came out of Philadelphia and Pennsylvania, and, and Notre Dame does a lot of recruiting out there. What makes Pennsylvania and Philadelphia football? <laughs> that everybody wants to come there makes him so tough that brought you for Harry to look at you at your games over there in Philadelphia.
3: Well, I well, Harry's also from there, so he he gets it. He gets what, what what's in the water over there. <laughs> um, it's just a, it's just a blue-collar mentality. The whole city has it, and it's all the way trickled down into his high school programs and it's just a bunch of tough guys that are really 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 love playing the game that just, you know, have have work ethics that are, that they're brought up with that just translate into into winners, and I think that we've had a good run there for a while and hopefully it keeps happening.
2: Was there a couple of choices between Notre Dame and some other schools?
3: I was either I, I didn't really have many. Uh, I wanted to go to Notre Dame my whole life, so when they came calling they it was an easy one.
1: mike when you, when you when you're playing Navy and if you kind of boil it down to maybe three things, um, and you specifically look on the offensive side, Um, you're usually limited as far as the number of possessions you get. I believe last year it was eight. The year before was six. Uh, The highest in the last three years was 11 possessions for Notre Dame's offense. What's that conversation like on the sideline, you know, trying to stay in rhythm, um, but then also knowing that you need to be efficient on on drives and and ultimately scoring touchdowns?
3: Yeah, it's huge. I, I think it just makes the mentality of having to be on your details and making sure you do your job at all times. and. You know, you can't trip up against those guys because you get so many limited opportunities and you got to score points every time you touch the ball. And that's what we've tried to do every time we've played those guys. And normally, when it happens, we have success.
1: We mentioned the, the travel arrangements uh, <laughs> here to finish the season. Were you, were you a part of anything and kind of as wacky as uh, a West Coast, back to Midwest, uh, home, back out East, back to the West Coast? Did you experience anything like that?
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it was quite as extreme as what they have coming up, but um, we definitely had our fair share of ro- long road trips. It's a That's part of playing at Notre Dame is a, it's a national schedule, and you get to go a lot of different places. And I like what Coach Kelly's doing and, and the program and staying an extra night. I think that's going to be huge for them because it's always hard getting up on Sunday after you get back at 7 in the morning, especially after a time game. Um, San Diego is a hell of a place to be staying an extra night, so I hope <laughs> the guys uh, enjoy it.
2: So, what time is your start tomorrow? I think uh, I think
3: we're at uh, one Eastern.
2: One Eastern. Now uh, it's coming up for uh, a,
3: or excuse me, probably four Eastern. You're getting ready to fly sense. out right now. Yeah, uh, we're about to in the next half hour. Yeah.
2: Okay. <laughs> well, we'll get you we'll get you uh, wrapped up here. So, take a look at tonight's game and stuff, and what do you think are going to be the key points, and give us a prediction. Okay.
3: Well, I think you guys already touched on a bunch of them. I think that uh, it's, it's huge for Notre Dame's offense to get in there and score points early and score them often. And I think that uh, if they can get up by a certain number of points, it makes it really hard for what Navy does to get back into the game. So I think it's getting on them early and often and, and scoring and getting a big lead early. I think the defense, like I said earlier, needs to be on responsibility and do exactly what their coach, because that's the only way you have success against the triple option. And I think uh, thirdly is, is to forget about what's going on and forget about, um, you know, the grand scheme of things of where they're at in the country and and play one game at a time, one play at a time. And uh, with all that, I think it'll be an easy win for the Irish.
1: Mike, I'll make sure that that, uh, we get that speech into the locker room for the guys tonight. I think I can make that happen. (laughs) Yeah, please do. (laughs) I bet
2: you'd like to go right down there and play, uh, just suit up right now and then maybe sneak over to
1: Arizona tomorrow.
3: Yeah, I would love to do that. I would play two games every week if Notre Dame still let
1: me play every week. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, Mike, we, uh, we really appreciate you taking some time. Uh, again, safe travels, uh, continued good luck, and if you'd ever like to be on our show again, we'd love to have you.
2: All right, thank you very much.
1: Thanks, Mike. Good luck. This is WSBT's Game
2: Day, live from the WSBT studios. Kickoff tonight is at 8 p.m. on CBS, or listen to the game right here on 96.1 WSBT. We'll be right back with former Notre Dame quarterback Dane Chris. May I have your attention, please? This is Tim McCarthy for the Indiana State Police.
1: You are listening to WSBT, your radio home for Notre Dame football. The Game Day Show is brought to you by Budweiser. Great times are waiting? Grab some buds. Carmela's at McCree's, your post-game dining destination, and McCree's Italian Bakery for all your tailgating needs. Eddie Street Commons in Notre Dame. Come dine, shop, and enjoy the merchants at Eddie Street Commons. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Contact Matt Wilson, South Bend, or Pablo Rodriguez in Granger. And by the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Together, we can stop hunger. Learn more at FeedIndiana.org. 92nd
2: 90 meeting of the midshipment in uh, Notre Dame. Notre Dame's defense has only allowed one second-half touchdown in the last three games, and I know you're really high in, in your analysis on the defense. Everybody's back, right? All of ours seems like we're really healthy for this game.
1: Well, they should be. They got to take a, br- a week <laughs> off and lay around. You're talking
2: about yourself. I'm talking oh. about the Notre football
1: players. <laughs> yes, my health is great. I'm ready to go.
2: <laughs> yeah, but Jafar Armstrong is going to be back. Yes. And uh, Brian Kelly said it's kind of miraculous how well he's back
1: yeah, he had to have a surgery um, to to get get rid of an issue he had as far as his knee was concerned or some infection. Uh, but I guess he's all he's all good to go. He looked really good this last week. Yeah, so I mean, right now, I mean, Notre Dames, you know they're they're trending in the right direction uh, as far as where they are nationally, you know, sitting at number three. but also, I think they're primed to have a good November. And honestly, it, it's about time they had one of those, right. Um, but I, I think that from a health perspective standpoint, um, the bye came at a pretty good time, physically to recover, mentally to refocus and get and get ready to play. Um, but now you got to go out there and execute each game and each week because that that X on your back is going to get bigger. Bigger and with bigger. Each win.
2: Big bullseye. Big bullseye. Yeah. Our next guest, when we were when I was setting uh, setting him up, and I told him who else was going to be on the show. I said, uh, you know, we're going to have Mike McGlinchey, and then. After this next guest, we've got Dick Vitale. And he said, oh, my good, I'm, I'm right in the middle of those guys. You know, what am I going to do? And I said, well, because Evan loves to talk to quarterbacks, so everything's going to be fine. Right,
1: but, I mean, Dane could kind of be like a, the, the center of the Oreo. You know, most people take out the two outside layers just so that they can eat the middle. So we may enjoy. I'll let th- you go and introduce we, the next guy. <laughs> we may enjoy this this interview more than the other two. Although we know we We've, know our final one, we know he's he's a pretty special guy too. So. Well,
2: Dane will be be able to the, the talk, and Dick Dick will get going, and we like to get Dick going, and then you and I just sit back and. My only
1: concern is is if Dane stayed up to watch the the Dodgers game last night, the the doubleheader that was actually one game. If he's had enough caffeine to recover and be ready for this do we hear any snoring in the (laughs) background or whatever (laughs) we're joined by former quarterback dane chris dane what's up buddy
4: Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me, guys. Don't you worry about me. I not only stayed up to uh, watch my beloved Dodgers finally get a game on the board, but also got up early enough to uh, play a little golf this morning at Torrey <laughs> Pines. So it's been uh, the ca- The caffeine's been flowing, big man. All right, hey. Is. So
1: you so you've got double duty then tonight. How are you going to balance both games going on at the same time? Are you going to have like two 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 different TVs set up?
4: You know, the reality is. Uh, so I'm actually down here in San Diego, so we'll be going to the game. So I'll just be checking some scores on the phone, but you know, my uh, heart and mind will be focused on the Irish tonight, first and foremost.
1: I'll tell you what, though that that was a big win, a big win for the Dodgers last night. Oh, they really, geez. they really needed that one.
4: Oh, I'll tell you what, that I was, uh, you know, I, I was really getting a little worried towards the end there, of the 15th. But uh, you know, to, to hang around and, and get that one, I don't care how long it took. It's just about getting one on the board.
1: Well, Dane, let's uh, let's let's talk Irish football. Um, Notre Dame's seven and zero right now, number three in the country. They're playing Navy, who's who's struggled um, a bit this year. They've had a couple of games that have been close, uh, but Notre Dame has really positioned themselves, um, you know, to make a run at this college football playoff. Um, it, it, you know, as far as the quarterback position goes, you know, Brian Kelly was, made it pretty clear before the season started that he liked both guys. Both guys are going to play, um, and and really what Ian Ian Book has done has been it's been, it's exceptional. I mean, sitting right now, leading the country and, in, in past completion percentage. Um, first off, you know, what have you seen from Ian? That's been the most impressive. Um, and, and, and what do you like from this entire Irish team as this season continues?
4: Well, I mean, I guess in starting with Ian, I I mean, look, I've had the opportunity to meet both Ian and Brandon and both are both, you know, uh, incredible competitors, very talented, you know, respectively and, um, you know, really do things the right way. So it's nice to have two great ambassadors at the quarterback position. Um, But, you know, and just seeing the consistency that that, um, Ian's brought to the table week in and week out, I think that's what's been most impressive, right? I I think, you know, coming out in some of the earlier starts, you're, you're saying, wow, you know, this guy's really kind of jumping off the, the page here a bit. And I think, you know, as natural uh, spectators of the game, you're cynical. And you say, all right, well, let's just see." you know, let's get through the next game and the next game. And, you know, once defenses start to have a bit of a book on the guy, you know, can he continue to play at a high level? And I think he's really just exceeded everybody's expectations. And just taking care of the ball, I mean, that does so much for your team, um, you know, both on both sides of the ball, really. But I, I just think he's playing at an incredibly high level. He's taking care of the football, and he's doing everything that he's asked to do and more.
1: Specifically, you know, for this game, um, we're talking with former Notre Dame quarterback Dane Chris. And I asked this quest- question to Mike McGlinchey earlier, too. When you play a team like Navy, uh, who is all about ball control, and maybe this isn't the same Navy offense that we've seen the last couple of years, but even so, it's it's a team that likes to possess the football. Their goal is to stay on on, on track with three to four yards per carry. Um, and, and limit an offense's possessions. And, and really what Notre Dame has done a great job of this year offensively has been playing in rhythm, um, pushing the pace and the tempo at times. Having played against Navy and, and at special, especially, uh, specifically at the quarterback position, what do you do mentally to make sure that you are continue to stay um, engaged in the football game if Navy goes on a long drive?
4: Well, I mean, Evan, it's a great point, man, and and it's it's something that's really challenging for an offense, and especially at the quarterback position, because you know if you're used to having you know really double the amount of possessions that you would you know in a normal game, and you cut that in half playing against Navy, it creates some challenges for you because you've got to be really efficient how you score points, meaning you've got to score touchdowns and field goals just aren't going to get it done. I remember playing uh, Navy one year. Uh, in metlife stadium and we went right down the field first possession you know we're moving the ball great um, you know they hold us down in the red zone and we kick a field goal and, and you know your mind typically registers as great you know you're getting points you're happy to get points every every time that you have the ball but maybe' entire defense entire sideline they're jumping around they're high five and it's like they just won the Super Bowl and then you recognize that they're just doing the math on it knowing that you know if you can if they can hold the other team to three points you know or less in a given possession that's a win for the defense so um you've really got to be efficient with the possessions that you have and meaning just scoring touchdowns not field goals um but on the same you know while you're you have a you know awareness of that you've also got a balance not pressing right and not playing outside of what you do as an And not trying to do too much, and especially at the quarterback position, because you feel that you know you know that your defense is coming off the field after a long drive and long Navy drive, and now you know you're you're out of rhythm, you're not warm, you got to kind of you know wind it up again real quickly. Um, You also want to go out there and play, you know, Notre Dame football, meaning doing just what you're doing and not trying to. Um, you know, play outside of yourself, and I think that that's going to be really important, especially um, you know, for a relatively young quarterback like Ian Book. I know he's got some good game experience, but just you know, kind of young in this Notre Dame Navy rivalry. That's going to be really important, and I'm sure that the coaching staffs communicated that to him all week long. Um, but I think he just really got to go out and just do what he's been doing, and Notre Dame should
1: be just fine. We're talking with former Notre Dame quarterback Dane Christ on your home for Fighting Irish football, ninety six one FM, nine sixty AM, WSBT, right now. Dane's down in, uh, or over in San Diego, uh, (laughs) sunny San Diego, getting ready for kickoff tonight, 8 p.m. Notre Dame uh, versus Navy. Dane, I want to get your opinion on this. Um, Knowing the possessions are are limited and you're not going to get too many opportunities, when you're sitting down in the game plan room, and you're the quarterback and ultimately you're you're handling the rock every single snap would you prefer a game plan that is pass heavy or one that maybe looks to establish uh potentially an undersized navy defensive line
4: well i mean i think selfishly right i mean as a guy that's got the ball in his hand on every possession you want to go out and throw it 100 times a game right and, and that's just inherent in, in playing the quarterback position that's what you want to do and what you enjoy doing but at the same time more than anything it's about winning and you know schematically if it's to your point taking advantage of an undersized defensive line and that's what you got to do and if you've you've got to establish that run early on and um you know really uh you know create a presence there and and you know Keep yourself in rhythm, and that then that's what you're doing. I think certainly those are matchups that we like, and you know, Notre Dame's really had a you know successful um, recruiting class in the offensive line for really the last several years. So you know they, they've created a, a nice presence there. Um, but at the same time, I mean I think you know Navy's an interesting animal in that. You know, they're playing their safeties in their secondary so deep and just trying to keep everything underneath it um, that it's a lot of pitch and catch. So I think you'll you'll see a nice balanced, um, you know, play call, you know, coming, um, you know, from, from the Notre Dame offense. But um, you're exactly right, and, and being able to develop that run game early is always going to make things easier for you, you know, as a thrower of the football.
1: Yeah, you've usually got soft coverage, and Navy this year is, is near the bottom as far as the amount of uh, – Pass completions are giving up per game, and you've got a guy for Notre Dame right now that you know is completing seventy-five to eighty percent of his passes. So I, I think we'll see a fair share of uh, you know some some mid-range, even to some short passes, and and let Notre Dame's playmakers uh, do a nice job with some yards after catch. And Dan, I got one more question for you. Just as far as this Notre Dame rivalry goes, and you know, you're you're part of your fair share as, as well, and it's almost a lose-lose um, from the Notre Dame perspective. You know, it's it's usually a team you should beat. And um, if you don't beat them, of course, then it, it looks it looks bad. Uh, but this has been a game that's been on the schedule for a very long time. And every year it comes up, you know, with the number of injuries that usually are sustained in this, in this game. Um, is this one that you think is going to continue staying on Notre Dame's schedule, you know, moving into the next, you know, four to five years? Well, I mean,
4: um, look, I think the reality is because of just, how long this tradition has been in place. I have a hard time seeing Notre Dame moving that off the schedule just because it has been such a staple for both programs. Um, And and you're right. I mean, uh, you know, Unfortunately, as a Notre Dame, you know, former player and now fan, um, you know, we've been in some pretty close and competitive games with Navy, and you wish that that were not the case. Um, but I just think it means so much to both programs, and, and you're right. Um, it, it's you know, playing any of the service academies first and foremost, you just have the utmost respect for you know what these guys are going to go on and do, and um, you know the work that they're doing is so incredibly important. But then when you kind of reel it back into the context of a football game, and you know, ultimately Notre Dame's goals to you know, went out playing a national championship. You know, this is a a game where, you know, Navy loves to play spoiler, right? And it's circled on their calendar every year, and it's important to them. And, you know, you got Fleet Week going on in San Diego. It's going to be a a crazy atmosphere, especially with all the military presence that's, you know, here in San Diego. um, That, you know, regardless of what, you know, Navy's record is at the moment, you know that this is a big game for them. Um, And it's going to be critically important that Notre Dame gets up for it and treats it with the same type of, you know, intensity and, and uh, you know, passion is, you know, we know the Navy's going to bring into
2: this one. Dave, before we let you get to the game, and thank you again for squeezing us in between golf and the Notre Dame game today. Evan and I really appreciate it. How about a, how about a score before we let you go?
1: Uh,
4: so I'm going uh,
1: 38-10 Irish. 38-10 Irish. Let's take it to the bank. Thanks, Dan. We appreciate you taking some time. Enjoy the game, and go Dodgers.
2: <laughs> Always, guys, go
1: Dodgers, go Irish. Thanks, Dane. Thanks, Dane. On your home for Notre Dame
2: football, 96.1 WSBT, this is game day. We'll be right back with Dick Vitale. This is former tight end Robin Weber. My job
1: was to catch footballs.
2: Yours is to catch every Notre Dame game right here on your home
3: for Fighting Irish Football, WSBT.
1: Thanks, Robin. The Game Day Show is also brought to you by GolfStreamCoach.com. Looking for exceptional trainees to learn the RV business. Hearing aid service, providing you quality, affordable digital listening solutions you can depend on. Hearth and Home, Kurt Outdoor Living, and Leck Lightner Door.
2: You know, there is no small talk that's going to happen right now. Because the next guest is one of my favorite guests in my 19 years of doing the show. And I know one of yours, one of yours too, he's the author that just released, and I think it was just yesterday... Dick Vitale's Mount Rushmore's of college basketball, solid gold primetime performers from my four decades at ESPN. And I'm pardon me that I can just picture or hear Dick in my ears saying that he needs to say that title, not me. (laughs) Our next guest is Dick Vitale. Hey, Dick, how you doing?
1: Let's go Irish, man. Let's go Irish. (laughs) That's what we like. Hey, Dick, uh, pr- appreciate you taking some time. Talk to us about this book, um, kind of uh, the, the reason for it, and then also uh, the backstory and where all the proceeds are going for it as well.
5: Well, you know, I I think the book basically, you know, states itself. It's going to be my uh, actually, it didn't, you know, it was announced released today. It's actually coming out in about three weeks, but it's it's definitely available. People can order it on my website at dickfichtelonline dot com, Amazon dot com. But what the book is really about, guys, is the fact that. Over 40 years, I've been always asked questions like, you know, who's the best player you've seen? Who's the best coach? So what I did is I took the four decades on ESPN, starting with December 5, 1979, when I did the very first game in the history of ESPN, Paul in Wisconsin it was Mark McGuire and company and man, I tell you one thing, I never my wildest dreams thought I'd still be here for four decades. I've come through so many presidents, people in charge of our productions. I mean it's unbelievable that I've been able to last that long and have a Fun of my life, and being undefeated. So what I did with the book was I took the four best coaches, the four best players, the four best recruiters, the four best March coaches, the four best point guards. We got all these different categories, and we got our Mount Rush Wars. And and you know, it's a book where people are going to agree with you, they're going to disagree with you, and that's the beauty of it all. It's like what really got me started. I was talking one day with a bunch of people about how when I grew up as a kid. Uh, we were on Sunday after mass my mother and father had nine brothers and sisters and they uh, were all blue-collar people, uneducated, but all had doctorates of love. They were all about their families. And we'd meet on Sunday after church, and my mother would have all the donuts, the bagels, the, the whole coffee. And my uncles and I would start arguing like you couldn't believe I was young kid then. And they would scream and yell, Duke Snyder's the best one. My uncle would say, Duke Snyder's the best center fielder in the game. My other uncle would say, are you kidding me? He can't hold Mickey Mantle's shoes. And my other uncle would scream and yell, what about? Are you serious? What about Willie Mays, the Say Hey Kid? And then my father, he would pop up and say, "You guys are all a bunch of dummies, man. <laughs> if You had any brains? You'd understand. The best is number five, the Yankee Clipper, Joe DiMaggio. He's the only guy in the Hall of Fame that never ever had to make a great catch because he was always waiting for the ball. So that's what I, I, I took that kind of concept." where people could sit around and argue and say, I don't agree with Dickie V. He's out of his mind that he's the, one of the four best coaches. He's out of his mind he's one of the four best players. And that's great.
2: Hey, Dick, when you started back in that December 5, I know you just said and you took one of my questions right out of my mouth that you think you'd be here again in 40 years, but what was the state of college basketball at that time?
5: Well, you know, the game was really good. We had some great, great teams, and we had some great coaches at the time, too. And you think about Knight, you think of Dean Smith and John Thompson and all those greats. But, you know, things are different now. The athletes are so much, as you know, uh, have been an athlete. The bottom line is the athletes are so much quicker, bigger, stronger. All the conditioning programs, all the nutrition, all the weight training, the things they have today that they didn't have years ago is, is simply such a difference. Uh, maybe the fundamentals might have been even better years ago players really concentrated on all well the necessary simple fundamentals of the game but uh, uh the players have gotten bigger and better we got you know guys 6 10 6, 11 now they're playing on a perimeter kevin durant so those people years ago man you're 6 10 6, 11. you were under the basket posting up and that was it
2: would you like to be coaching these type of teams these days
5: I'd like to coach the Golden State Warriors. I would like to coach the New York Knicks right now. That's amazing. You're pounding because I was there. I was there in Detroit, man. My owner was so good to me. I tell you, he kept saying to me, Dick, you're your biggest enemy. You know, I, I couldn't handle losing, guys. I could not handle losing. I had not lost all my life until I went to the Pistons. I coached in a high school. It was a football school. And yet we came in and we turned into a basketball power, won two state championships undefeated. And really... You know, it was a start for me. Then I go to Rutgers University. Uh, they tell me you can't recruit this kid. You can't do this. And I see you're out of your mind. And I went after the best of the best. And we ended up recruiting some great players. Phil Sellers, Mike Dabney. And they went to the Final Four in 76. I then go to University of Detroit. They had never been in the NCAA tournament. We turned them around with 21 in a row. We beat Marquette in Milwaukee. Al McGuire's team that won the championship that year in 77. We go to the Sweet 16. So I I was used to all winning. Then I go to the Pistons, and I lost more games in a week than I had lost in in, in months and years, and and I couldn't handle it. I'll be honest with you. I was a basket of I used to to complain to the owners. I coached all blue in the face. We can't beat. We can't beat Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and all those guys, the Lakers. We can't beat. Dr. J and Moses Malone, and I could coach and coach and coach. We need players. And they kept saying to me, Mr. Davidson was so good to me. He kept saying to me, Dick, patience. We know it's going to take five years at least, but we love your enthusiasm. And I just couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle it. Finally, it was to the point after my, I guess, about 10 games of my second year, I we were four and six maybe at the time, uh, I got fired. And he told me when he fired me, he said, I don't want to do this me I mean me no choices i can't just have you every day tell them about how we can't do this can't do that and you know what i was down as can be at the time i was so down but it, let me tell you i look back now it was the best thing that ever ever happened in my life so my message to people out there i do a lot of motivational speaking and i tell people you can tell a lot about a person when the way they can handle adversity. Anybody can handle when you're up on top and they treat you like a king. and It's being able to handle tough times. And you have two choices. You feel sorry for yourself when things go wrong, or you can pick up the pieces and say, you know what? That's just a little flipping away, and I'm going to make something happen with my life. And fortunately for me, uh, it's exceeding any dream I ever had. Hey, next, this is unbelievable, December 10th. I'll be getting into the Hall of Fame, Broadcasting Hall of Fame, along with Bob Costas, Jim Nance, Mary Carrillo, and a host of others. And But bottom line is, bottom line, that's going to be my 14th Hall of Fame. I can't run. I can't jump. I can't shoot. I got a body by Linguini. And I'm the 14th (laughs) Hall of Fame because all my life I have one thing that I speak a lot about. The plan for success starts with passion and pride. When you got passion in what you do and a sense of pride about what you do, a lot of good things are going
2: to happen. Tim Graal, Evan Sharpling, WSPT's Game Day, chatting with the author of the new book, Dick Vitale's Mount Rushmore of College Basketball. There's another Hall of Fame that you'll go into, and I know you're very modest, but uh, I know all the work that you do for the V Foundation and for the uh, Pediatric Cancer Research. So to all of our listeners out there, Give us a little pitch, because we want some people donating some more besides. We want them to buy the book, but let's do some other things. So please, you just are selfless when it comes to that, and you've raised so much money. Please speak to that.
5: You know, Evan and Tim, uh, I can tell you this, Tim and Evan, I I thank you so much, Tim, for mentioning that. But it's probably the most important thing in my life right now is trying to give back. Uh, People have been so good to me. I grew up in a family where my mother and father didn't have much of an education, but they had a doctor to love, and they told my brother, sister, and I that, In life, I used to hear at my dinner table often, be good to people and people will be good to you. So right now, I want to give back. And what I've done over the years, I have the Vital Gala. And my gala has raised right now $25.3 million for kids battling cancer. It's not enough we need so many more dollars I can't thank Mike Bray enough um, Coach Kelly Coach Kelly one year we honored Coach Kelly one year we honored Mike Bray along with Nick Saban and Tony Dungy and Tom Izzo and Bob Knight and Pat Summit. I mean you name them we have had them this year we're doing Davo Sweeney and Avery Johnson and Chris Fowler Ali uh, Corso and Holly Rowe will all be part of our honorees uh, this year on May 10th and I know Mike Bray will be here again he comes every year and we, we raised last year $3.7 million for the night. This year we're hoping to raise $4.4 million to go over close to $30 million. And great. people can help you. Buy my book every dollar, not $0.80, cents, $0.70, cents, $0.60. Cents. Every dollar that I would make, my profit is going toward that $4 million. And if people want to join, Tim, and they want to help us and help kids, just go to com digfight.online.com, and you can make a donation. You know, I can tell you stories. I took one youngster. He loves football. Last year, I said, I'm going to give him a treat. I called his father up. He went in with this kid, went through, and Brian Kelly knew, because I've introduced Kelly to him at my house. When you see it, we honor it. the next day after my gala. We have a big party at my home for all the honored guests, and all the cancer kids that come to my event, and all the celebrities. We get 60 to 70 celebrities every year. They come free of charge, pay their own hotel, pay their own um, their own flights, own hotel. And they come because they're all dads and grandparents. and They know about kids, and, and you know, they, they come. And I introduced Brian Kelly to Joshua Fisher, and Joshua loves football. He's like 11 years old. He's 12 now. He was 11 at the time. Ready for this? You talk about toughness. You see this little guy, man. He just looks like a football player. The way he's built and the way he smiles. 1,200. He did 1,200 doses of chemotherapy. He's cancer-free now, which is unbelievable, because research does work. And I took him to a Notre Dame Southern Cal game. We had a private plane fly us from Florida, his family, took him. Brian Kelly referred to him during his pep rally, had him in a locker room, met the players. Uh, he, He took pictures, was on the field before the game. I'm telling you, it was like... My wife said to me, you look like you're the happiest guy in the world, more than that kid. I I feel so thrilled to see the smile on his face because what he got through, none of us have really had to face 1,200 doses. But those are the kinds of kids we meet. You know, I told you earlier, I do a lot of speaking. The toughest speech I ever had to give in my life. I was asked by a parent who lost their child to brain cancer to speak at the funeral. There is nothing worse than watching a mom and dad put a child to rest. And I'll close with this. Only four cents out of every dollar raised for cancer research goes to pediatrics, and that is a crime. and that's why I'll beg and I'll plead to my last breath. So I'm saying people, if you're lucky, you got healthy kids, and a healthy family, you're a billionaire. You're a billionaire. I don't care. Go to a hospital. See what these people go through. I mean, it's unbelievable. So please make a donation. Go to dickfight.online.com. It all goes through the B Foundation with Jimmy B, the B Foundation, and it all goes for kids battling cancer.
2: So you heard Dick. Go to DickVitaleOnline.com to make a donation. And if you want the new book, Dick Vitale's Mount Rushmore's of College Basketball, solid gold primetime performers for my four decades at ESPN, go to DickVitale.com or Amazon.com. We've got about 30 seconds, Dick. Um, prediction for tonight? You want to give us a score?
5: The Irish are going to win. The Irish are going to win. Navy's Navy will play. They'll battle. They'll, they'll scrap. As everyone knows, they'll play their hearts out. But it's all said and done. Too big, too strong, too athletic. I say when it's all over 38-24 to 24 in Notre Dame. I think the Irish run the table, and I said that after the Stanford game. The one game that scares me. There's one game on that schedule that scares me. And it's a team from the Chicago area, Northwestern. Yeah. I, I, did they beat Wisconsin today? Pretty handily. They did? Well, yes. I want to tell you, that even missed. So, I'm going to tell you, that is going to be – where is that game? Is that in South Bend or is that in Northwestern?
1: It's, it's at Northwestern.
5: Oh, wow. You man. better you better, better, you better, better fly
1: up there and make a pep
2: talk to the team.
5: They're getting better and better and better. My first college game I got is next Tuesday. I can't wait. Kansas and Michigan State. Kicking off college basketball, man. Another year, my 40th year. I can't believe it. Where has the time gone? I may be 79, but I act about 12.
2: We we might have to try to get you back for another show before the end of the year so we can just talk some basketball this year, too, about Notre Dame basketball. Let's do it. Mike Gray's
5: got some good perimeter players, good freshman class coming in. I love Mike. Mike gets the most out of his people. He's truly what a coach is. Get the most out of your people.
2: Thanks a lot, Dick. God bless you and take care of yourself. DickVitellOnline.com or DickVitell.com to get the book. Thanks Dick, a lot, they Dick. They
5: got the second best fight song. Hail to the victors. <laughs> they got the second best team in the Midwest. That's <laughs> okay because the Irish hooked up the one. <laughs> All right. Thanks hey, thank a lot. thank you, Dick. Dick.
1: Have a great one. Bye
2: bye. We'll be right back.
1: The Game Day Show is brought to you by Made by Hemp and Elkhart, State Farm Insurance Agent. Tim Grow, United Beverage, Wings, etc. Grill and Pub, and Zolman's Tire and Auto Care.
2: Thanks again to uh, Dick Vital. Go to DickVitalOnline.com to make a donation. Let's have the keys of the game, partner.
1: Keys of the game. Uh, get Navy off schedule. Um, they like to try to go in three and four yard clips offensively, so it's going to be important for this Notre Dame defense. Uh, to make sure that they're not doing that get off the field if they can on third down offensively we talked about it pretty much this entire show with both Dane Crist and uh, Mike McGlinchey being efficient on offense and that means touchdown drives not settling for field goals and then protecting the football you know this is one of those games that if you let an opposing team especially like Navy create a turnover um, and then possess the football as long as they have the potential to do um, it certainly makes it more difficult to uh, develop some rhythm offensively. So those are my three keys. Uh, I believe is going to continue to stay hot, win another football game, move to 8-0, um, and hopefully stake their claim right here in the the most recent poll that's coming up. So I've got 35-17 Notre Dame.
2: Sounds consistent for everybody so have a good night tonight. Evan and I thank all of our guests for joining us. We want to thank uh, WSBT's Matt Embry right here in the studio. Don't go anywhere as the Notre Dame Navy coverage continues right after the news is there and Sean and Eric with everything you need to know about today's matchup on Budweiser's Game Day Sports Beat. Immediately following them it's the Notre Dame tailgate and pregame show. Then it's the kickoff just after 8pm on CBS and on right here on 961 with the broadcast team of Paul Murmiser, Ryan Harris, and Jack Nolan. And after the game, John, Sean Styers and Reggie Brooks for the official post-game show. Enjoy the Irish win today and join us next week at 3 p.m. as we get you ready for the Wildcats of Northwestern right here on your home for Fighting Irish Football. 961, S- 961 WSVT for Evan Sharpley. This is Tim Growl.
0: Go the Irish! Irish.